Welcome to the Shiny Brightly Show. I'm Howard Brown, author, speaker, Silicon Valley entrepreneur, international peacemaker, and yes, two-time stage four cancer patient survivor and advocate. Each episode will take you from resilience to hope and a whole lot more because Shining Brightly does make the world a better place. Be prepared to be inspired. Hello, it's Howard Brown. It's the Shining Brightly Show. I have an amazing guest today and a very important topic. Oh my goodness. We are going to meet a mom with an autistic son that is an absolute hero and a, and a, and a good friend. Um, shout out to the Pulvers, Lauren and Jeff uh, and Karen too. Um, we, we met over the networking group called Zula, which is an amazing group of heartfelt people that just actually give a shit. So um, they're great peeps. So Heidi, welcome. Thank you so much, Howard. Great to be here. Oh, uh, I'm I'm so glad that uh, we've been connected. This is um, great stuff. I want to, um, you know, normally I actually have people sometimes describe themselves, but I'm going to read your short bio and then um, I'm going to have you fill in the blanks after for me and, and tell us maybe something that we don't know about you as well. But um, Heidi Rome is a thought leader, a mom, most importantly, a speaker, an author, best-selling author, by the way, staff facilitator, mentor, encourager perspective shifter. I like that one. And a creator. You're the founder of Moms of Spectrum Oasis, and you're an advocate for severe autism community. And you actually run a community. So we're going to talk about that. So drawing from a lifetime of experience of juggling the demands of being a caregiver, you've learned some personal growth and some self-actualization. Heidi now gently guides us all to shift out of suffering and being overwhelmed to make a small but powerful loving win-win choices, even when we humans are faced with daunting challenges and change. Win-win. We're going to talk about that too. So um, what a beautiful uh, bio. Fill in the blanks. What did I miss? And tell us something you know people may not know about you as well. I think you've, you've covered the, the big pieces of my life. Uh, okay. Something I don't put in there, but uh, because it didn't seem to fit, although maybe it does, is I love uh, crafts fairs. So wherever I go, if I'm in a new city, I will search for, you know, where the artisans go because I just love beautiful things. So that's something about me that's not in the bio. <laughs> that's all right. That's a cool, happy place. Everyone yes. has to go to their stress zone and their place that brings them enlightenment or enjoyment or exactly. health, whatever it is. And mine's the basketball court. So slightly different, but uh, you got to <laughs> go to that, that, that place and go there often as well. Yeah. So I, I, I want to tell you, this is, you know, a really important issue. I I'm, I'm prepared to take some notes and learn a little bit here, but um, you know, you're known as a planner and you've always been carefully planning out the next steps of, of your life. And, you know, even without a crystal ball, it's hard to predict. I, I can't tell you this, having a two-time stage four, I never expected to get cancer at 24. I never expected to get it again at age 50. So life throws you some curveballs for, exactly. sure. for sure. And and is always hard to predict, um, you know, what is coming next in your life. And you had a curveball thrown at you. So yeah. Um, yeah. let's start there. And um, let, let's start with, the, you know, the, that part of your life before the curveball came. Yeah, well... Life kind of gave me a curveball early on. Uh, I grew up with a sick mom. And so life was, uh, a lot of life was focused on helping care for her. And so I learned, I, I, I call myself a recovering control freak 
but I don't think you ever fully let go of that because there, there were so many things growing up and then beyond that were out of my control that I think a defense mechanism for myself was, well, what can I control? And by gum, I'm going to control it. And that's why planning did become very important for me trying to anticipate every possible scenario and then prepare for it so that I wouldn't be surprised and I would be able to accomplish whatever that goal might be. Yeah. So you were caregiving for your mom. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she almost died when I was four and that became uh, a pivotal event that ironically put me on the caregiver path but as I, I talk about, um, prologue is preparation. And I certainly didn't know it or appreciate it, uh, back then, but I have come to see that so many of the lessons that I learned back then, especially with regard to how to balance the, the demands of caregiving with my own path and my own life, uh, that was really, that became an important thing to realize that even back then there were choices that I could make in still needing to be in service to someone else. I, I want to tell you that you, you strike such an important point. Uh, there's a statistic that there's over 3.5 million unpaid caregivers just in the United States alone. So whether you're taking care of um, elderly parents, younger parents, uh, taking care of a child, taking care of a spouse, uh, taking care of a sick aunt or cousin, um, or for other reasons, right? It could be addiction. Um, it could be trafficking. It could be, there's there's lots of malaise out there. And I call that darkness in my book, Shining Brightly. Um, caregivers are, are angels on this earth because they sacrifice some of their own well-being, the stress. Uh, they take over, uh, you know, some of that planning and support. Um, at a cost to them that that is is tough uh, because my parents I moved back home with mom and dad at age twenty four, right, and they stopped their lives basically as my life was stopped to walk alongside of me, in front of me, behind me, as we talked about in the green room, and then at age fifty, my wife Elisa stepped up and took over. You know, not that I was out of the picture, but I, I was focused on either having bad days or some good days, but I, I was trying to live, and you know what keeping track of stuff, paying bills, raising the daughter, uh, you know, grocery shopping, n- none of that stuff actually mattered because I was there trying to actually battle on the front lines. So I, I totally, they, I call them the angels in my book, the angels on earth. Um, I, I also lump my, my, my medical team, my doctors and nurses, and, and now we're facing nurse burnout and doctor burnout, and it's, it's going to affect our healthcare system. But caregiving is a selfless, beautiful thing and it's the toughest it's, 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 as being a mom, it's a tough job. So I want to tell you that you're appreciated. You are an angel and you are a hero uh, for sure. But to take me back now. I think um, what I do recall is that in your 40s, you added marriage and baby. So you did this a little bit on the later side. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was a late bloomer. Um in large part because I was so consumed with caring for my mom, my my life, my own life, dating life, friend life was put on hold. And so it was really only after she passed away when I was 30 that I could put the, you know, shift my eyes and say, well, okay, what about me? <laughs> what about my life? Well, what do I want? And really have to get clear on on my goals. And personally, I 
I've known I was one of those kids when I was five years old. I knew I wanted to be a mom one day. However, it would happen. Uh, I wanted it to be, you know, my own child, but whatever, I would go to the ends of the earth to get a, a child. And as I like to say, you know, I got in under the wire <laughs> and, um, and, was very fortunate to meet my husband, who was also a late bloomer. And we had two with assistance, but we had two wonderful boys. Um, Eric is my my older guy, and he's in college now. And uh, two and a half years later was Ethan, um, who is who you mentioned before, my my guy with uh, severe autism. So uh, the blessing did come, not as I had always. <laughs> <laughs> or in the time frame that I had always thought it would be. So I, I love that you referenced with help. So um, you may not know, but my a lot of my audience knows that um, before I did a drop of chemotherapy, um, uh, my liver function test was too high on my first chemotherapy back in October of 89. And my doctor, Eric Rubin, whether it was a vision from God or his, you know, good doctoring, you know, it's probably a both. He sent me to the cryogenic center in 1989. Well, uh-huh. in 2000, in fall of 2000, we called for that sperm. 11 years later, and we did a, a in vitro procedure called ICSI, where they actually take ICSI, yes, ICSI, where they know ICSI. <laughs> they take they take they take the best swimmers. And yes. uh, my Lisa had uh, generated eight eggs, uh, and they harvest four of them back in, and we got our beautiful daughter Emily. So it is oh. such a blessing that help gave us a family and gave us a daughter. Now, I could have certainly we could have got surrogate. I could have got sperm donation. I, I could have adopted. All right. of those are wonderful options. But um, the fact is, is that mine just graduated University of Michigan and she's a TV reporter in Montana. And Yay. so what, what a blessing there. Yes. So yes. Um, I, I want you to now, the, the, the birth of, of Ethan now, okay, this is this is something that, you know, we, we never know and can't expect. So uh, right. please, please tell me more about that. Well, we saw pretty quickly after Ethan was born that something was different. Um this this was not one of the situations where uh, there's something called regressive autism, where the child develops normally, and then at a certain point in development, you know, age two or thereabouts, um, the child loses skills and and uh, regresses. Ethan, from the beginning, was missing milestones. He was not doing. He was not developing along the uh, the typical timeline. So he wasn't making eye contact. He wasn't developing. Uh, you know, according to to uh, the 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 printed guidelines, and uh, it was when he was um, seven months old and not sitting up um, unsupported that the pediatrician suggested that he get physical therapy, and then that journey led us to to notice all the missing milestones and uh, eventually to the autism diagnosis. Hmm. And. Being a planner, you are that that wasn't expected. I hadn't planned on autism, and I'll I'll tell you, Howard, I was mad. Mm -hmm. I was mad at God. I, you know, because you know, all those years taking care of my mom, I I had a deal with God, um, where I thought, okay, you know, this this is what's been handed to me, but my turn will come. I'll do the best I can right now. And when it's my time, I, and I, you know, made up the script in my mind that when it's my turn, 
you know, it will be the knight in shining armor and the, and the fairy tale, and I'll meet the the wonderful guy and and have my fairy tale family. Uh, it'll be my turn. And then we had Eric, and and he is a joy and blessing in every way, and we had no reason not to expect more. Of us give him a sibling, and we had Ethan and autism i mean and and it was obvious autism and uh, flapping autism and strange sounds autism and i was like wait a minute this was not the deal i was really angry and i went into denial and anger i remember when the neural the, the developmental pediatrician um neurologist uh, gave us the diagnosis actually finally used the word autism because they avoided it in the beginning and I remember looking at her and thinking not very nice words and thinking, I didn't say it, but really thinking strongly, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Did you are you having a bad day? My kid doesn't have that. I mean, I, I really went into denial and, and anger um, when I when I heard that for the, you know, when I was hit with that word. Sure. Uh, I, I, I was too. Uh, when I got diagnosed with stage four, uh, you know, T-cell lymphoma, wow. uh, not Hodgkin's lymphoma, I, I was like a deer in the headlights. I, I, and then I went into denial. Then I went into anger. Um, and I think you need to allow yourself to go there, just not stay there. And so um, that's that's the important part of that. <laughs> Very because, important. Yeah, well, yeah. You, people every, do. Every and they stay there for long times. It leads to depression. It leads to other malaise. Too much drinking, drugs. It can lead to uh, abuse. It can lead to lots of things. So um, again, that's a discipline. That's a mental and a physical toughness thing. But um, this is interesting now because you regard your son's birth now. Okay, after going through rightly so many emotions um, and questioning mm -hmm. your own rebirth. Can can you talk about how how you kind of feel that was a rebirth for you? Well, when Ethan was, was born, I mean, certainly, and before th there was autism, I, I really felt blessed. And, and that was my, my truth meter, the, the inner meter within each of us that recognizes truth and the truth of, of the miracle of his birth and who this human being was, um, was I, I felt very blessed and happy that at, at the, the ripe old age that I was uh, to have my own child, you know, that here he was. Um, the rebirth on the journey, though, with autism was really having to reinvent myself and write a new script and create a new identity. And that's really the, the rebirth was the decision of who am I going to be in the face of a hard challenge? Uh, to, to choose the eternal choice of every decision between love and fear and hero or victim. And these are the uh, philosophical choices, the, the emotional choices, the practical choices every day that is rooted in who do I want to be? in this life. But you also had a thriving son and a husband 
And you needed to balance that because uh, I imagine taking care of Ethan is a team sport um, for sure. So uh, go into kind of how you had to change and and the decision you made. And you're saying that um, uh, the gifts of Ethan's words added to your narrative. Please, please share with that. That's, I find that provocative. Yes. Well, Ethan has severe autism. Uh, So this was quite the journey. Um, I had a full career um, when he was born in in, uh, healthcare marketing and then philanthropy. And I was working 18 hour days and on once he was born and we were on this autism journey and realizing this is not going away. (laughs) Um, One thing led to another and that place of employment said, you know, you're, you're really consumed with other things beyond <laughs> this job. They didn't really say that, but that was the full communication. And I was let go, which made me very angry at the time. And I did come to see absolutely as a blessing because it let me put that time and attention on Ethan and, and trying to get him, uh, you know, all that he needed. So that, that put me on that path. Um, and in short, to summarize, I spent so many years, though, thinking it was my job as to be a good mother, which in my mind was to cure his autism, mm. was to fix this, make it go away, make him okay, make my family okay again, um, that autism was the enemy, to be eradicated, killed annihilated all the violent words to get this thing out of our lives so that we could pick up where we had left off and re-enter the planet as normal people. And I thought that was my job and spent years dragging Ethan to every kind of therapist. And one day um, at his we tried many things, different educational approaches. And at his second school, um, we were doing typing, you know, supported typing where he was uh, beginning for the first time at age nine to be able to communicate. And I was describing to the the teacher um, all the therapies I was dragging Ethan to. And he leaned over to the letter board wanting clearly to type. And we laughed because he was never in a hurry to get to work. And I said, oh, Ethan, you know, you have something you want to tell us in the midst of my litany of all the things we were doing. And he typed, I'm tired. And I realized that this was, I was making this about me, not him. Um, And then ultimately, so that put me back on the, into the realization be careful of my perspective. And and we talked a bit about, you know, when someone is ill, um, especially at one's child, there's really a desire to step in and, you know, take care of everything. And we forget that, well, actually it's their life. And what's their experience? What do they need? It's not about me. And am I being a good mother based on some random thing I think? And that was, that was really important. And then eventually, uh, fast forward, Ethan, uh, was very dysregulated and, um, he wasn't safe. We weren't safe. He was putting his head through the walls of the house. It was 
very, very difficult and, and upsetting. And we made the very difficult decision that I had been resisting for years because I thought I was failing and abandoning him. But when I finally said, well, what does he need? What's in his best interest? We made the choice for him to go to a residential school for kids with severe autism so that he could get that 24-7 support that he needed. And he's doing amazing there. But before he left, um, he, you know, he typed to me, you know, I said, you know, are you okay? You know, how do you feel about going? And he was fine about going. I was the one who was a mess. Right. You know, he he typed, um, you know, I'm my journey takes me there and um, I'm making big changes and I feel brave. Don't be sad for me. Wow. Are, are quitters a failure or taking a different path to success? This was, he was 11. I mean, this was the kind of thing this kid was typing, even though he can't speak. And then eventually the words that changed my life were an amazing conversation in which, uh, and it's in my book, um, You Just Have to Love Me. Uh, But in this conversation, Ethan spoke about his experience of his own autism as a spiritual journey. And knowing God and feeling purpose here and choosing us as, as his family and choosing to have challenges. Um, and I said, why? Why did you choose to have challenges? I will be greatly rewarded in eternity. And then ultimately, wow. the thing that really, to answer your question, finally, that changed my life. I said, well, what can we do to help you on this journey? And he responded through the typing, you just have to love me. And that is your job. The rest is my job to do. Wow. So that was such an awakening, Howard. I had spent all these years trying to fix him and he wasn't broken. (laughs) Wow. He was on a different path and I just needed, mom needed to learn let go of the control freak thing. Stay in my lane. He's not broken. Be his guide. Be his companion. You know, to love does not mean live his life for him. It means to nurture and guide and protect and educate and take care of and love. But it doesn't mean take over and live his life for him. And that realization changed everything for me. I, I want to tell you that deeply powerful, um, deep transformation, um, and just amazing that he was able to, you know, at least you communicate that to you with the typing a little bit. Now, current day now, is he still in that residential school? Being yes. Yes. Okay. He's, he's 17 and, and he can, he can stay there until he's uh, 22. So, and I'm already starting the process though, since he will need to leave there at some point, um, looking for a place just like it, but for um, severely autistic adults. So Mm -hmm. that's in to be found or to be created, but one way or the other, he will have what he needs. And and you go see him because he's not able to talk on the phone or you can actually 
yeah. you can't do FaceTime with him, right? Or Zoom? Well, we do. We do. We actually Skype with him. Um, every week he has an aide, you know, support him with it. Um, verbally, he he doesn't have much language. Yeah. So on on FaceTime, we we talk about the next time we're going to visit him and where we're going to eat and that he's going to get a hamburger. <laughs> okay, but he sees you and and, yes. and yeah, and he knows you yes. guys. Oh, that's yes. What a what just amazing story. Thank you for sharing. I'm I'm taking it all in. It's it's very important uh, that you know you really talked about your transition and your changes that you needed to make. Um, not that you were doing it right or wrong. There's no right or wrong, but um, that 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 actualization, the realization, is really powerful uh, that you were able to do that. And so, um, wow! I'm just, t- just telling you, it's really incredible that you, did it. you should be applauded. Because I, I will tell you that when I was younger, uh, you know, coming through cancer the first time, mm. I went through fairly quickly. Okay, getting diagnosed in October of 89 and, and the first coming out in August of 89 and getting off treatment, you know, January of uh, basically 1990. Uh, I ended up, I'm sorry, 91. I ended up moving to California and rebuilding my life again and putting Humpty Dumpty back together again is my saying, uh, mm-hmm. version 1.0. And I did. I got confidence. I got, um, I, I was 135 pounds of bald. I played lots of basketball. My career started to take shape. I met my wife, Lisa. I was doing a lot of volunteerism in the Jewish community, raising funds, becoming a big brother and things started to click. Right. And then, you know, my miracle daughter was born in Silicon Valley and now back here in Michigan. Um, unfortunately at age 50, I had no expectation that lightning was going to strike twice and I would get, you know, a colorectal cancer stage three diagnosis. And these last seven years to go from know, cancer to COVID and then try to build Humpty Dumpty version 2.0 all over again. And so um, you, the path isn't always linear. And also you have to play the, the cards that you're dealt. Correct. And um, that's, that's the, that's, that's just what happens in life. No matter how much you talk to God, you know, you've got your, your, your vibration, your course that you're following and me too. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's amazing. You have so much to offer personally, but also uh, with other folks with autism. But I see how it now relates to changing your perspective and picking yourself up and potentially going in a a slightly different direction that makes better or more sense for you. Well, thank you for that. And you're right. You know, I I imagine that dealing with a hard truth, there are many parallels between your story and mine, of course. And one of the most important pieces is learning to trust yourself. You know, we're both challenges, whether cancer, autism, divorce, uh, any anything that life throws at people, um, we tend to look at outside authorities for answers. Someone out there is smarter than I am and will know the right thing to do in my situation. And People will have information for you, and that is true, and it's good to gather information, but ultimately, only you can make the choice that's right for you. And to trust that, to really know that, is really crucial that we were born with this ability, this equipment, but the the powers that be, well-meaning people, school system, ancestors, parents, the world around us, we get messages saying, yeah, that's nice, but listen to others. And ultimately, 
the real truth of what's best for us as an individual can only come from our, our own heart. And when we remember that, we're much happier and we start making better decisions. I I, I agree with you. And I, you are in charge of yourself and self-care does equal self-love. And right. I will tell you that one of my biggest lessons it's in chapter one of my book, is that my Bubby Bertha Buddhist, who came to this country from uh, Lithuania, Poland, could be Ukraine, uh, she, she, she drilled into us, and, and, and again, a couple things. And she said, you can choose kindness every single day. Yes. You can choose giving and giving to others. And you can choose healing yourself and others every day. Those three things. She said, if you do all three th- those three things every day, that's a pretty good day. And she's uh-huh. right. And yes. So one of the things that I found in my darkness of the two cancer diagnosis and other mm-hmm. smaller darknesses, you know, call it, uh, you know, with jobs or frustrations or other things is that you take the spotlight off yourself for a second and go help someone else. And you've been doing that your whole life with your mom and with your, your, your husband, your, uh, your son, and, and also Ethan. Um, and if you take the spotlight off yourself, um, it does actually allow you to shine your light on somebody else and have them to offer it. But it does come back to yourself and uh, you you have to be able to make those decisions moving forward. But I, I think living a good life is actually what you can actually give. And you have so many things to give. And um, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to we're going to talk about some of those resources in a second. So this is the part of the show that we do the shining brightly spotlight. So <laughs> it is shining so brightly on you, Heidi. You know, the sun is coming from my screen to your screen. And. You are shining so brightly. I want you to tell uh, my audience how they can, one, get in touch with you, some of the resources that you have to offer um, for not just, you know, folks that, uh, dealing with autism, but in life. Um, and then uh, and then, then end with some, uh, some, some, some wisdom and some inspiration and kick the show back over to me to close. Okay. Well, the easiest way to reach out to me is go to my website, which is HeidiRome.com. It has contact information there. To, to email me, reach out as you like. And there's a meditation on there, which, you know, people tell me is very soothing. So I, I, you know, I invite people to reach out whoever would like to. And I do have a group, uh, take a breath and breathe on, on Facebook is the easy pla- easiest place to go to access that. And we meet every month for a program called 25 minutes for me to refill our own cup. Because as you've just described, Howard, you know, we, we have to, we, we can't give what we don't have and we have to fill our own cup, um, and be kind and loving and giving and generous to ourselves first so that we can then be in a position to help and be of service to those we love and, and those around us. And, and actually, I don't know if you know this, but the human heart sends blood to itself first. Mm before pumping blood to the rest of the body. Even we are designed, we are physically designed to put our own oxygen mask on first, to feed ourselves first so that we can be all that we were divinely meant to be, which includes then to be of service to those, everyone around us, whether it's our family, friends, community, the, the planet. And, and And please add your book. The title and uh, yes. of course you're a best-selling author, so you have a great book that people should know about. Thank you so much. Yes, uh, my book is um, on Amazon, Heidi Rome, uh, and the the author is the author. The title is 
um, you just have to love me, mothering instructions from my autistic child. And the mothering instructions, let me just say, it's guidance for anyone facing hard things. You know, it's through the journey of autism. And yet, because it's such a hard challenge, you can fill in the blank, whatever hard thing that you're grappling with. I hope that you'll find um, ease and guidance and peace, um, you know, from from hearing my story and may it encourage you in your story. Heidi, thank you for sharing your light. Um, it's as I said, you as a caregiver for your mom and for your your son and also your 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 older son and your husband. You you are an angel on this earth. It's just amazing uh, what you've been able to do. And now to actually offer these opportunities to help others, it's beautiful. Um, this is the Shining Brightly podcast show. I'm Howard Brown. You can reach me at shiningbrightly.com and you'll find my speaking. You'll find the uh, the information about the book, uh, the podcast, uh, which is uh, which you're listening to right now and my advocacy. Um, and so uh, I just think that... Uh, you know, come and interact with me and uh, come listen to this show. Uh, Heidi, you are a gem. This is such a great episode. People are going to learn and, 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 uh, and really, really take this to heart. And uh, hopefully they'll reach out to you and connect with you as well. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Howard. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shining Brightly with me, Howard Brown. Come interact with me at shiningbrightly.com. And remember, keep on shining.